Cool. Good to, good to see you. Hey, um, so it's a bit of a weird sermon today. So we're going to the book of Acts, as you know. And I was like, man, how do you do Acts when it's Mother's Day? And, ah, and I was talking to John John on Sunday, last Sunday, and he was like, why do you have to do Acts, bro? Just do a special Mother's Day one. And I was like, yeah, but we're in a series. So I've kind of done this weird thing where I'm going to look at three characteristics of ladies, but they're also key things we see in the book of Acts. So feel free to be like, bro, you just totally cheated and found key things in Acts and made it work with Mother's Day. But I still think it's a, a good sermon, so we'll see. Um, and one of the things I want to say, this might sound a bit weird to you. Obviously, I pray when I'm writing sermons. And I prayed heaps this week that this sermon might... And I know this is a big call, but really release some of the ladies in our church from the burden of expectations that society puts on you to be a lot more than God calls you to be. So I just want you to sit in that as I go through this, right? So let me start with a story about my mum, because I'm preaching, so I can talk about my mum. I think I might have told you this before, so bad luck if I did. Um, So I grew up at a camp over in Matamata called Totara Springs. Who knows Totara Springs? Some of you, heaps of people, cool camp. Um, so I moved there when I was two and then left when I was like 18. And um, for most of the time that I was there, uh, mum was the cook at the camp and also the administrator. And my sisters and I often um, talk about one of our favourite memories is going to sleep to the sound of mum typing, because this is back in the olden days of typewriters. And it was just this real comforting sound. But now that I think about it, it's like it's because she'd been cooking all day and now she had to do the admin late at night. And it's like, what is this madness? Um, so they used to have school holiday camps and they'd have 250 kids plus um, leaders and all that craziness. And they'd come in for um, these five-day camps over the school holidays. And mum would do all the cooking, do all the registrations, do all the stuff, absolutely crazy. And one um, time, she was pregnant with my smallest sister, and she was right on about nine months pregnant, and her belly was sticking way out, and she said it was really hard in the kitchen because they had those massive pots, right, moving the big pots around because she couldn't pull them close because of her big belly sticking out. So she said she cooked for the whole um, two or three weeks or whatever it was of the school holidays for 250 kids and leaders and all this madness. And at the end of it, she was absolutely exhausted, like crying, oh my gosh, I can't handle this, exhausted. So she got in the car and drove herself into Matamata to the maternity ward and said, I'm going to have a baby. And they had a check out or whatever they do and said, you're not it's coming, but it's not here yet. And apparently she burst into tears and said, I'm so exhausted. Please don't make me go back to camp. Can I please stay? And the, this is, you know, back in the day. And they were like, oh, okay. And so they let her stay. So she stayed for two days and basically just slept the whole time and then had a baby. And it was like, yay. So it was all good. Um, so I, I want to be careful in, in, in saying this, but that's just nuts. <laughs> What on earth was going on in the mind of the camp that would make a lady who's nine months pregnant with her belly sticking out literally about to have a baby cook and do It's just craziness, right? Um, there's a, there's a, a foolishness in our culture. Kia bro. There's a foolishness in our culture um, that puts these just unrealistic expectations and, and burdens on us. And I know us guys get it, but I feel like it gets on ladies a lot more than a lot of guys, right? And so this morning I'm doing a bit of a weird Mother's Day um, sermon, and I'm talking about what you don't need to be, right? So here's the first one. Whoa, is this thing working? Can you work your magic, Cheryl? I know what's happening. Um, so here's the first one. You don't need to be the Proverbs 31 lady, Right? So you don't need to be the Proverbs 31 lady. So let me read, I'm going to read a couple of verses from um, Proverbs 31. Ah, I don't know why that's not working. Can you go to the next slide, Alex? So if you've got your Bible, jump over to um, Proverbs 31. So Jason and I joke about this all the time, and you'll see why. And it usually gets me in trouble, and I might get punched, or 
I don't know, I had to sleep on the couch for a month. Nah, not really. Um, Proverbs 31, and I, I was like, man, is this real? I talked to a few ladies this week who said to me, yeah, we, we do feel really, whoa, that was freaky, bro. I don't know what you just did. Um, who said, yeah, I often have felt uh, that the church put this heavy expectation on me to be the Proverbs 31 lady. So let me read a few verses if you're like, the what is going on? Um, so I'll start on verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, yada, yada. And then down to verse um, 13. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. And this next one's my favorite. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. Jose, seriously? Nah. See, couch punching. She goes, she goes to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard. Oh, and it just carries on like this. Now, I want to be real careful here. I know what the writer's saying, right? He's saying it's really good. If you're looking for a wife, don't look for someone who's a slob and who's just sitting at home being slack all the time. Look for someone who's, you know, works. And is, <laughs> that's what he's saying, right? But the, the danger is it puts this burden on ladies. And like Jose and I will often joke, or I'll joke and get myself in trouble by saying, Jose, where's the vineyard? Proverbs 31, lady, you should have, and why aren't you making your own clothes? What the heck? You're not even darning socks. What is happening? And then I usually get yelled at and stupid things like that. There's this, this weird part of our society where we put these burdens um, on other people, and I think the church is one of the worst places to do it, right? To put these expectations um, on people. And I know we talk about the, the dangers of social media. Social media can be fantastic, but there's also this massive danger that there's these expectations put on you and you're scrolling through your feed on Insta or Facebook or whatever and it's like, man, look at what all these amazing people are doing and you can just start feeling really burdened, right? Um, really burdened. One of the things I want to talk about a whole bunch this morning is the key for us is to be connected to God so that we get our expectations and we get our understanding of who he's calling us to be from him, not from friends, not from family, certainly not from social media, right? Does it make sense? The key is for me to figure out, who does God want me to be? Does God want me to be buying a vineyard and making my own clothes? Well, if he does, then, right, let's go shopping for a vineyard. Do you know what I mean? But if he doesn't, then why would I read those verses and think, oh, wow, I'm such a slacker as a, as a woman. I'm not. <laughs> Just crazy, right? Um, I've got some cool quotes this morning that I want to um, cruise through as well. So um, here's the first one. This is still... Oh, it's going. Um, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I love that, eh? No one can make you feel inferior without um, your consent. And I was thinking about this, especially with social media, and it's like I can scroll through social media, see people doing amazing things, but now I have a decision to make. Am I going to allow that expectation or that, um, that weight to come on me, or am I going to go, no, this is just nuts? And the number of times I'm scrolling, and I'm like, man, this is just feeling very oppressive, and I just jump out, right? I love that. No one can make you feel um, inferior without your consent. And like I said, the key is for me to be listening to God, listening to Jesus. What is it that God is calling me to do? What are the passions and the giftings that he's put on my heart? That's where I should be heading, not what everyone's telling me. I should be, I should do. Um, one of my favorite verses in uh, the whole book of Acts is in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and I'll, I've got it on the screen, which I'll read in a sec. And um, it's right in the middle of uh, Peter and the apostles, the, the raising people from the dead and doing all these miracles and healing people and just this incredible stuff is happening. Amazing, powerful sermons. And they get um, called before the Jewish leaders and they're in huge trouble, right? They're in massive, massive trouble. And then you read this verse in the middle and it, to me it's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to say. So this is the verse here. 
Um, Acts 4.13, the members of the council, that's these chief priests and so on, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see, and I love this bit, this is kind of a negative thing, they could see they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And this is the key though. They also recognized them as men who'd been with Jesus, right? <laughs> they also recognized them as men who'd been with Jesus. Um, when you read this verse, they don't say uh, the chief priests, the, the council was really amazed that they bought vineyards or that they made their own clothes or that da, da, da. it's always that they'd been with Jesus. That's the key thing about us, right? The number one thing has to be our connection with God. We have to get our identity from Him. As we sung that first song, right? We have to get our expectations. What is God calling me to do? Not my friends, my family, my social media. What is God calling me to do? What's the desires that He's putting on my heart? Um, I had a real big decision to make over the last month. It's huge, right? And I personally wanted to go this way. And <laughs> I was doing everything I could to go this way. But I'm working really hard to try and listen to God, right? It's part of what it means to be a Christian, to, to listen to God. And the thing that just kept ticking me off is everything in me, it wasn't an evil sinning thing at all. Um, even if it was, I wouldn't tell you guys, so you wouldn't know, so bad luck. Um, I really wanted to do this, which is a good thing, but I just kept knowing so clearly from God that that was the wrong decision. I had to do this. And this is really hard. This is a really hard, frustrating thing, and I just wanted to do this. And this verse just keeps popping into my head, right? This is this verse from John. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. <coughs> I'll give them eternal life and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. I love that first bit, right? Um, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I want to follow God. I want to know what his expectations, his desires are for my life. How do I do that? The first bit, I listen to his voice, right? I listen to his voice. Um, to, to not allow the expectations of social media and friends and family to, to weigh on you takes work. It takes effort, right? It takes intentionality. And so one of the key things to do in that is to figure out how am I going to listen to the voice of Jesus more? How am I going to make sure that I'm, I'm hearing his voice over <laughs> Facebook's voice or Instagram or that person in my family that drives me nuts? It takes intentionality, right? Now, I want to be real careful in this because it's really easy for me to fall into the trap of saying, you don't have to be a Proverbs 31 woman and then telling you who you have to be, which is exactly what I'm wanting not to do because I'm saying you need to hear it from God, not from me or the church or whatever, right? Um, so I, I thought two simple ways. is one, are you spending time listening to God? Because if you're not, then you're just bonkers. <laughs> if you're not spending time listening to his voice, then you're never going to know who he's calling you to be and you will be directed you will fall under the expectations of social media and friends and family. Um, so two simple things I thought that you could do. And again, between you and Jesus, I'm not trying to tell you. One is to have some time each day where you just listen to God, where you spend time with Him. Um, if you don't have the Uversion app on your phone or iPad or something, free download. has tons of little devos in there. Heaps of them you can do in like two minutes. So even if you're at home and you've got a box of kids and life is crazy, um, surely you can just find two minutes to to read the word and just to start listening to that voice of Jesus. Um, the other thing is something that Joseph's doing. So Joseph's setting up in the church a thing that they're calling Women Connect. And so they have a whole bunch of um, ladies further down the track who are meeting with ladies not so far down the track in kind of a, an unofficial mentoring role. And so there's a whole bunch of ladies in the church now that are like, man, I want to be more like God. I want to hear the voice of Jesus. But life is just crazy, or I'm confused, or whatever. So Joseph's connecting up different ladies in the church. So 
I was thinking that could be another thing you could think about if you're like, man, I'm constantly falling under the expectations of friends, family, social media, whatever. I want to fall more under the expectations that God puts on me. Talk to Joe, if you're a lady, and say, hey, could you hook me up with someone where we could meet every week, every month, and just talk about this? So, kind of cool. Um, I love this, this next quote. This next quote is from um, Nancy Lay DeMoss, and she's a, a radio host over in Philadelphia, and I just love this quote. Oh, can you click it, Cheryl? I love this, eh? The Christian life is not about all the things we do for God. It's about being loved by Him, loving Him in return, and walking in intimate union and communion with Him. I love that first bit, right? The Christian life is not about all the things we do for God. (laughs) Um, It's really hard as a pastor because you're always looking for volunteers in the church, right? There's so many cool ideas that we have and things we could do, and I'm constantly thinking, ooh, 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 ooh. But it's not what I want. It's God calling people to step forward and to serve. Like there's a a real cool ministry opportunity that John John and I have been talking about lately. But we were talking about how we don't want to go to the church. Hey, we've got this amazing thing and start signing people up. We want to allow God to guide and put it on someone's heart and to lead them. And I think that society's bad, but the church is terrible at saying, no, 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 it's about what you do for God. I love that that little quote, right? Okay, so that's the first one. You don't need to be the Proverbs 31 lady. Um, and here's the second one, and I, I don't think, I might get in trouble for the Proverbs 31, if you misunderstood me, and I could definitely get in trouble for this one, but I'm all good, right? Um, so here's the next one. You don't need to be the greatest hospitality person. <laughs> um, you don't need to be the Proverbs 31 lady. Oh, whew, it takes some weight off. You don't need to be the greatest hospitality person. So let me, again, tell a crazy story. So um, my grandmother lived in England, so in Leicester, so my dad came out to New Zealand when he was 15. Um, so dad was born, I think like 38 or something. So my grandmother went through World War II in Leicester and their city was one of the ones that was bombed pretty regularly. And so they used to quite often have to flee from the house and go to this little shack out in the woods and hide from all the bombing in the city. And it was all pretty crazy times. And then they left and came to New Zealand, which was meant to be the, going to be amazing. And they got here and all their finances were ruined and it was disastrous and it was just horrible, horrible time for them, right? Um, and so dad was still pretty young, he would have been 16 or so, and um, my, parent, my grandparents were not wealthy at all, and living up in Auckland, in Browns Bay, this kind of random place, and um, my grandmother found that just a few doors down from them was an old guy living in a shack, and it was literally a shack that he'd just kind of pulled together, um, and this would have been early 50s, 53, 55, somewhere around there. Um, and so my grandmother started cooking meals um, a few times a week for this guy, and Dad would take the meal down for this guy. And then one day, Dad came back, and Dad said he was really ticked, because he took the meal down to this guy, and when he opened the door, knocked and opened the door, there were two guys in there going, yes, thank you for the meal. And he was like, how rude, you know, my mother, we don't have a lot of money, she's, you know, working hard and taking this guy, and now he's invited a friend, and he said he went home really ticked, and told Grandma and his mum, and said, you know, this is what's happening, angry, and grandma said, oh, I'll have to cook double next time, and dad was like, ticked off. Um, Now, I I told that story for this reason. In society, but especially in churches, there's this bizarre expectation that all ladies have to be amazing hospitality people. (laughs) Um, I talked to a few ladies this week to see if I was off base or on base on this, and every time they were like, oh, 100%. Um, there's heaps of ladies in our church that are just gifted up the wazoo with hospitality, and they can 
hospital, whatever the singular is, without even thinking about it, right? They can have 20 people around and food just appears and it's amazing and it's awesome. Uh, and there's a real danger in the church that, that there's this expectation that every lady should be this amazing woman of hospitality and have people around and cook meals and stuff. And I'm like, where on earth does that come from, right? Um, and I told that story because I was thinking, I wonder how many people as I told it instantly felt, oh man, I know there's some people I should cook for, but I just can't. And this is my question again, why would you think that? It's not about what the church says you should do, it's about what God says you should do. It's the calling, the passion, the desire that God puts on your heart. And some of you are gifted, right? And some of you are called to be those amazing hospitality people, and we're like, woohoo, and Jason and I were really sick a few weeks ago, and a real cool lady in the church cooked us the most ridiculously amazing meal. Had those shrimp, those big shrimp things in it, and it was just like, what is happening? Just incredible. But other ladies in the church are like, that's not who God's called me to be. That's not the desire. That's not the passion that God puts on my heart. And so I want to say this again. You don't need to be the greatest hospitality person. The key is to figure out, what does God want me to do? What, what's the calling that God's putting on my heart? What's the expectation, not from the church, not from social media, not from friends and family? What's the expectation God's saying, hey, this is how I want you to serve me. This is where I'm calling you to be. Um, I, we get the same thing from Acts 2, and I, I want to read this verse. <sighs> what... Saying as I read it, this is not for everyone, right? And this is not the way we normally talk about it in church. So if you've got your Bible, go over to Acts 2. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from there. And, and so often in church, we read these verses, and then we're like, see, everyone should be doing this. And it's like, oh, more weight, more expectation, more burden put on me as a, a lady in the church. I need to be hospitable. Ah. Um, verse 42 of Acts 2, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their possessions, uh, their property, possessions, shared the money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's this, they shared meals and all this, right? And I've just heard it said in the church so many times, oh, that's the example we should have. Everyone should be cooking and sharing and stuff. And again, I'm like, why? <laughs> that's not the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus to figure out what is the calling God's put on my heart. If you want to be the most amazing hospitality person, because that's what God's called, I'm like, woohoo, I'm happy to be on the receiving end of that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But I need to figure out what's God want me to do. Does that make sense, eh? So I, this is kind of weird, but I want to say I'm really sorry. If you're a lady and a guy, but it's Mother's Day, so I'm not really caring about guys. <laughs> if you're a lady in our church and you've felt burdened <laughs> by an expectation that you have to be the most amazing hospitality person and cooking and having people around, but that's not what God's calling you to do. It's this burden put on you by the church. I just want to say, man, I'm really sorry. It's, it's not the way of Jesus to do that. It's the way of Jesus to say, hey, let's help you figure out who are you in Christ? What is the, the, the burden, and, and using that in a good way, that God's putting on your heart? How does he want you to serve him? There's a million ways we can do it, right? So if that's you, man, I'm sorry that the church has, has done that. I don't know. Has done that, eh? I love this next little um, quote. This is a little quote from Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary in Ecuador and a writer, and she's like, amazing. So I love this little quote. Um, the God who created names and numbers the stars in the heavens also numbers the hairs of my head. He pays attention to the very big things, 
and to very small ones. What matters to me matters to him, and that changes my life. Um, I, I just love that last bit, right? What matters to me matters to him, and that changes my life. Um, God really does care about you. And a key part of him caring about you is for him to help you find the way that he wants you to serve him and be connected to him. And it's just so important for us to, like I said before, to be listening to his voice and figuring out, how do you want me to be involved, God? Where do you want me to serve? Is it hospitality? Is it something else? What's this way? Because he really does care about you, right? I love that little, that little quote. All right, here's the last one. So this next one's a bit flipping, so I've got to say this real carefully. So I've been saying, don't let that burden, you don't have to be the Proverbs 31 lady, or if you're a guy, you don't have to be the Proverbs 31 guy, I don't know. Um, you don't have to be the greatest hospitality person ever, but maybe let prayer define you. <laughs> uh, maybe let prayer um, define you. So I got Josephine to read that um, passage in Acts 12, which is the funniest, I'd l- I'm hoping I can preach on that sometime, but I think Chris might be stealing it in a week or two, but I, I just love that. It's such a funny story. If you haven't read it recently, go back and read it, because it's just, there's so many hilarious bits. I have to say them real fast. So the two f- bits in there that just crack me up is one, the whole time Peter just thinks it's a dream. Did you see that, eh? He thinks this is a vision. He's kind of wondering, and I'm thinking, because in the back of his head, he'd be like, oh, if only this was true. If only I was getting released from prison, but really I'm back there chained up to four. He's chained to four guards. Oh, and then all of a sudden he goes outside, and I read about it this week, and they reckon just the cold air kind of snapped him out of it. And he was like, oh, I actually am free. Woo! It's so funny. And then the other bit is the funniest one is the knocking. You saw that, eh? Because he knocks on the gate, so they had these big, anyway, and he's knocking, and the lady's so excited, she doesn't even open the door. And then he's, and it says, well, Peter continued knocking. I'm like, he's like, seriously, I should be in jail. Oh, it's such a funny passage. Anyway, beside the point. So I had, it, had Joyce read it for two um, reasons, and she did talk about the first one, that in verse 5, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And then the second one, verse 12, when he realized this, when he realized he was released, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered in prayer um, for him, right? And my question was, if they hadn't have prayed, do you think Peter would have been released? <laughs> and the answer is probably not. <laughs> prayer really works. Prayer really does change things. And so one of the things I want to say, and again, I want to say this super carefully, <laughs> one of the things that ladies are amazing at is praying. They just seem to be awesome. So we have a whole bunch of prayer things um, here at church. So we have um, a a Monday night prayer that Chris leads. Um, We have a Thursday morning prayer, which is nearly all ladies. And I know it's because a lot of guys are working, but still, interesting, nearly all ladies. Um, We have a Sunday morning thing, which is normally ladies way, way, way outnumber the guys. Um, In our prayer, we have a prayer, um, I was going to say chat, it's not a chat, uh, a prayer thing on Facebook Messenger, right? Again, majority is ladies. There's a few guys in there, but it's mostly um, ladies. And so one, guys, seriously, we're dropping the ball. What are we doing? <laughs> but forget that. That's not where I'm going. I was like, man, isn't that so cool? Um, I love, I've said this before, but I love when there's a prayer request, putting a prayer request in that Facebook group, and then you just see all these hearts and thumbs and praying things, and this is so cool, and I've had several ladies now say to me, man, I can be at work or covered in smelly babies or whatever's going on, and the message pops up, and it's like, oh, I can pray, I'm a part of something, it's just so exciting. Um, 
I thought it was hilarious this week. So Brett, um, Elise and Brett, Brett is in America at the moment for work. And I chucked up a prayer request on, I think it was Tuesday morning, and the first person was Brett with a little heart. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. He's in America, but he's still praying. Go, Brett. But he's a, he's a boy, so it ruins my whole story. So forget that. Um, we don't want to be defined by this unrealistic expectations of Proverbs 31. We don't want to be defined by hospitality, which is such a big thing in church. But I was thinking, man, it'd be really cool to be defined or to see as essential and important. Um, praying for people, right? Praying for um, one another. And, and like I said in that verse from Acts, I wonder if Peter wouldn't have been released if the people didn't pray. And I wonder how many incredible things has God done in our church already, healings for people and people that are just burdened, and then God just seems to re- remove that burden. Um, so many things, because people are praying, because people are calling out to God. And like I said, the majority of the people kind of praying in our, our church seems to be ladies, which is awesome, but guys, come on. Um, I love this little quote from um, Corey Tenboom. She was a missionary in Ecuador forever, right? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? <laughs> I love that, eh? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Um, simply meaning if, if it's your steering wheel, it's something essential, Right? It's something that guides your life, directs your life. You just connect with God. You listen to Him. You pray all the time. Or as prayer, your spare tire. It's like, ah, oh, when everything else fails, when everything's falling apart, oh, well, we might as well just pray about it. I thought that was a cool little challenge in there, eh? All right. Hey, I want to finish um, with this crazy quote. This doesn't really fit with the sermon, but it's such a good quote. I just couldn't leave it out. Um, I love this. Eleanor Roosevelt, a woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong she is until she gets in hot water. So that was cool. I was thinking the most of the time it's me who's in hot water. Joseph's never in hot water, right? Um, no, I, I put that up because a, a lot of ladies are just so strong, right? It came out when we were doing these little things. Um, so many of you ladies in our church are just strong women of God. <laughs> you really are. Um, you inspire us with your prayer. You inspire us with little encouragements and comments to people. You inspire us by just looking at people in the church and praying for them without them even knowing. Um, but I want to say, you know, what, what's defining you? What's that call on your life to, to be? Is it from social media? Is it from family, friends? Or is it from God? Because you're working hard to listen to him, eh? Hey, let's all stand, eh? Let me pray, and then we're going to um, finish with a song. Etu, stand up, eh? Yeah, let me pray for us. Yeah, kia ora, almighty God. Um, thanks so much for the incredible woman that we have in our church. Um, yeah, I mean, I just keep feeling like this is the coolest church ever. Um, so many ladies, that I know they really do pray. I know there's even ladies that have secret prayer meetings during the week where just two or three of them get together each week just to pray for people in the church. And I mean, That's just awesome, God. Um, yeah, thanks so much that there's some really, really strong women of God in this church. And they are not burdened by social media or friends or family. They are directed by you because they work hard to listen to your voice. Yeah, they want to follow you, Jesus. And to do that, they, they need to know your voice. I think there's so many cool ladies in the church that do that. It's awesome. Yeah, again, God, I just really pray if there's anyone in the church that is like, whoa, that just feels like a release. I thought I had to be X, but I knew that's not what you are calling me to be, God. I pray as they seek you, as they listen to your voice, that they would hear really clearly who you are calling them to be, God. 
Yeah, we never want to have the expectations of the church put on us or friends, family, whatever. We want to be who you are calling us to be and to do that. We've just got to hear your voice, God. We've got to make that time to listen to you. Yeah. yeah thanks for that cool verse about um, what matters to me matters to you. Thanks that even the most small thing that we care about, that we're concerned about, you care about, you're concerned about God. It's just incredible. Eh? Yeah, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.